Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. We're back this week finishing the first book of The Giver Quartet, The Giver. It was a shorter reading, but really all of the books in this series are pretty short, so that's going to kind of be the vibe for the next few weeks. Yeah, we might have a couple of shorter episodes, but every time we say that, we end up going well over an hour, so let's just not get ahead of ourselves. We're a book club podcast with the Runner Party Network, and we read and reread YA books from our adolescence. And we're currently on a series-ish that I've read some of before, so it's my turn sort of to reread. I've read The Giver and Gathering Blue before, but Messenger and Boy, which are books three and four, will be new for both of us when we get to them. And as the complete newcomer to the series, I get to give a quick plot summary for anyone who needs a refresher of the main plot points of the reading. So diving right in... Jonas is diving further into his training to be the next receiver of memory. He's getting many more memories, but at about the one-year point since he started, he starts to get much more into the memories of pain, and it is revealed that the failed receiver, who is named or was named Rosemary, was the current giver's daughter, and she applied for release. Then Jonas finds out the release is in fact euthanasia, and he is mortified. He and the giver decide that Jonas will leave the community, releasing memory into the community and pushing the community forward. And it's then decided that Gabriel, which is the little baby boy that Jonas's family has been taking care of, will be released or murdered. <laughs> and Jonas takes decides to take Gabriel away and he bikes away with him and they leave the community. And then at the end of the book, he and Gabriel eventually reach a new civilization, and that's where we finish. That's all we get. So really quick, my impression was that, yes, like we said, this book was pretty short, and because of that, everything just kind of happened really quickly. Like, obviously, in our previous episode, we had a lot of the rising action, the setup of the story, the setting and everything, whereas in this second half, it was just like we were going down the sled with Jonas like downhill as everything just was thrown at us and I also hadn't realized how quickly like time was passing in the story like I didn't realize that we literally went through a whole year in a matter of like a hundred pages and then for just the ending of the book I just kind of want to know more because like we said at the end Jonas and Gabriel end up in this new civilization, new community, and it's like, will this new community be different or will it be the same? So I'm just hopeful that in the next book, I know Charles said this isn't like a series series where we're going to just follow these main characters throughout, but I hope that we'll at least get some answers in at least one of the next three books in this quartet. I liked that, that metaphor, us being Jonas on the sled. That was clever. <laughs> And that was similar to my impression, too. Like, Lois Lowry, she's not parsing any words. Like, the book is done in 200 pages. But, you know, we mentioned they're short books, so it makes sense. But, yeah, we just... And we don't get a lot of resolution at the end. And I think we can talk about resolution more, you know, at the end of the episode. But 
if I remember correctly, we're not going to get any of Jonas and Gabriel in the next book at all, but I do think that we will get them in book three. But anyway, so into the plot, Jonas, he's starting to see the colors and he really likes them. He wants them. And he's like, it's not fair, which, you know, he's like, everyone should be able to see the colors, which leads him into a discussion of, you know, it's really hard to be the receiver because you can't share your work with your family unit. And basically he and the giver, like you said, we don't realize how quickly time is passing, but we basically get to a year pretty quickly. And he and the giver are definitely having more intimate conversations. And finally, the giver does start giving Jonas more of the painful memories, like those of hunger and war and... He, you know, he introduces them pretty well. He always gives Jonas a good memory afterwards. But he's definitely exposing Jonas to the darker things in life experience. Yeah, and then once Jonas kind of starts to receive the more painful memories, he quickly agrees with the idea that people shouldn't have the freedom to choose because they could make the wrong choice. Like when he learns about war and stuff like and hunger and people making these wrong choices is what put people in this, these awful situations. And yet he says that immediately to the giver about how like, yeah, it makes sense that we do it like that. But then he's already trying to break one of the rules or one of his main rules. And he's trying to share these memories that he's gained with his friends and family through touch. Like he tries to touch Asher and pass on color. And he, when he's, talking to his father and his younger sister like he's trying to pass on happy memories of things like or about um elephants and like how it's a real animal that actually really existed but like they don't have the ability to receive them but I just thought that was interesting because he's like oh they shouldn't have it but then he turns around and is like trying to give the people this knowledge to be able to make choices yeah like he's trying to explain his training and he's one, he's not supposed to. So you're definitely seeing that dichotomy of, or not even dichotomy, the disagreement. The, it's not really logical. Like, he, on the one hand, he's like, yeah, on the one hand, he's for the system, but on the other, he's actively working to undermine it. And, like, he's trying to influence people's behavior or change their minds, but they it's based on information that only he has. So of course it doesn't really go well. Like Asher's like a little creeped out. He's like, um, leave me alone. Stop touching me, Jonas. Well, also because like they say in the community, like you don't touch people who are outside of your family unit. So it's seen as rude, like rude behavior. So Asher's like, why are you touching me? Well, it's not the, not a terrible standard to go by. (laughs) But then, By accident, and eventually he continues to do it on purpose, Jonas is able to pass some of the memories he's received onto Gabriel. And he does it to soothe Gabriel when he wakes up from his sleep. He rubs his back and he can give him memories of the ocean or sunshine or a hammock swinging in the wind. Yeah, and I want to ask you about that. So how did you, one, feel about Gabriel being able to receive the memories and the blue eye thing that we were kind of discussing last week. And how did you feel about Jonas breaking the rules like that? I know that's two questions, but I wanted to know what you thought about both those things. 
Well, so for the blue-eyed thing, yes, I definitely, like, noticed that immediately. I was like, oh, he wasn't able to pass the memories on to his dad, his sister, Asher, because they must all have, they all have dark eyes, so brown eyes, we're assuming. But Gabriel, we know, has light eyes, assumingly blue, and he's able to pass. So, yes, that does point to the idea that, yes, the receiver needs to have light eyes in order to receive and be able to have these memories in that particular way. So that's what I got from that. And then as far as for Jonas breaking the rules, I mean, I think it just goes again towards his kind of internal struggle of this is the system he's grown up with. He's known his entire life. And this is everything he's been told. Like, this is what he knows is right to him. But now that he's been exposed to these memories, he's like, maybe that isn't the right thing. And he just is desperate to pass it on to someone else. So I feel like it was good for him because... I mean, as we know, what they're doing is wrong, and he isn't going to fully realize that until he learns about the truth about release, but already he's, like, kind of like, this doesn't feel like the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Like, he, but I was surprised that he didn't have any, like, emotional qualms about, like, breaking the rules, because when he starts passing memories to Jonas, I mean, to Gabriel, like... I mean, he is 12, so you can't expect him to understand all the ramifications of it. But I'm like... I mean, his initial reaction when it happened, he, like, backed away and freaked out that that it had happened. And he was also, like, because as we have learned, like, once once he's passed on a memory, he no longer has the memory. Like, it's not like he's shared the memory, he's passed it on. So, like, any memory he gives Gabriel, he doesn't have anymore. So even, like, in a selfish way he might like he feels like he wants to keep the memories for himself but I feel like he just gets past that really quickly because he was already basically trying to do that with other people it just hadn't worked like as soon as he escaped he's trying to pass on color to Asher and then he tries to pass on this pic uh the image or memory of elephants to his dad and sister so like I feel like he was already at that point of like wanting to break the rules he just hadn't been given an actual opportunity where it would work yeah, I guess I mean more of the ramifications of, like, what if Gabriel went out into the community and then started saying stuff, like... Well, Gabriel's a one-year-old child, so I don't think he was thinking that That's what I mean. Head, you know? And he's also 12, and, so... Oh, yeah, Jonas also 12, still a kid. Well, speaking of things that feel depressing to us, you know, as a 12-year-old, he sees his first memory of Christmas... So, and he doesn't even, they don't even describe it as Christmas, obviously. We understand it to be Christmas because there's a family receiving gifts under a tree. But, and then this is really a memory of love. And also I like that it was described, like, love was being described as this familial love rather than, like, romantic love. Because so often, you know, only love we read about is romantic love. And he... You know, but this basically seeing this memory of Christmas, which happens to be the giver's favorite, is makes Jonas look for love in, you know, his life. And he thinks that the people around him, like, aren't really feeling emotions. So he's like, you know, when they're angry, they're not really angry. Like, they don't really feel like a justified and deep anger. They just feel a mild annoyance or... You know, the, like, level of affection is just super superficial. And it 
you know, it like it freaks him out. And honestly, for me, as I was reading it, I was like, I think that would be the most isolating part of being the receiver. Not the, so obviously you can't talk to anyone about your work. And that would be really hard because you wouldn't be able to like relate to them on any personal level. And you would literally just like be walking around lying to everyone all the time. But I think that what would be really hard for me would be like knowing the truth about the world, but being the only person to do so. So even though you might fully believe in, you know, these memories that you've been given would feel a little bit like self-gaslit, I think. Like you're going through life as the only person who's experiencing reality one way and you know that other people like it's not that they're willfully not understanding reality, but you would definitely feel isolated for that. It's like the idea of like you you're living in the simulation, but you know it's a simulation and no one else does. Exactly. Like, it is, like, a questioning of your reality because you know that it's not real, but you're the only person who knows that. So, yeah, that would be super isolating and honestly terrifying. Yeah, I think that would be the hardest part, like, watching people, like, yeah. For sure. Also, I mean, it's also really sad, like, in general, like, with the memory of Christmas, Jonas, like, learns this concept of love. And I think the most heartbreaking scene in the book is when he goes home to his parents and he asks them, do you love me? And their response is like bewilderment and like amusement because they're like precision of language. Like you could have said, do we enjoy your presence like this? Like they don't understand the concept of love. They describe it like as just something that's overused. Like they don't even understand. So what's also really isolating is the idea of if Jonas has the capability now or will learn to have the ability to love other people but they will he'll never receive that love back because no one else is capable of that so like no one's able to feel the way he can and the same goes for his friends like I mean just like you were saying like they don't have the same capacity for emotions as he is going to be able to do with all of the memories inside of him yeah, it's a that one moment is really tough to read, like because his parents, his mom is like, love is a vague and overused and obsolete term, which one I thought was like probably a little bit of Lois Lowry, like commenting on the use of the word in our society, just to be perfectly honest. I mean, like, I mean, this was written in 1995, but, you know, we generally do overuse the word love in the way in our language and our, you know, syntax and diction. But so one, I thought that that line specifically was very like social commentary, but also is, I agree, like brings up that real point of like, it would not be a particularly pleasant experience to feel like the people in your life doing the most that they could would have such a limited emotional range, you know? just to bring it back to Harry Potter, because we need to, you know, we always do. Not everyone has the emotional range of a teaspoon, Ronald. And, but like, actually in this world, everyone has the emotional range of a teaspoon. And then, you know, Jonas alone would be Hermione being like experiencing more than one thing at once. And after the conversation with his parents about the word love being obsolete and overused, Jonas stops taking the pills. And no one actually tells him to, which is something I was different. I thought that the giver was going to tell him to stop taking the pills. I don't know why I thought that. Maybe that's how it happens in the movie. Probably. 
Well, also, I have no with idea. With the pills, like, does the giver but, take the pills? That's like not something that's ever brought up. Well, exactly. So I have no idea. But but also, like, either way, Jonas decides himself to stop taking them, which I actually like that he like of his own agency. He's like, I just don't really trust this, and you know, he gets his stirrings back. Well, yeah, because also I'm like, what what else does the pills like? suppress is it just the stirrings or is it also like it helps suppress the like seeing of color and stuff i because that's also not really discussed at all yeah i mean it does say that he has an easier time holding on to the colors he has an easier time basically seeing everything when he stops taking the pill but we know for a fact the pill can't be the reason people don't see colors because children don't take the pills it's like a supplement yeah, whereas, like, in the movie, I definitely know that they get these daily injections. Like, every single day as you leave the house, you take an injection. And from a machine, that's how it's portrayed in the movie. And they, and Jonas specifically stops taking his injection. Yeah. But I think that's for everyone, no matter of the age, in the movie. Whereas, yeah, the... Pills, I think, honestly, in the book, serve more as, like, an act of Jonas showing rebellion rather than anything else. Like, he's questioning the authority of the system. Yeah, so then at this point, Jonas is, you know, living his life and is just becoming more and more isolated from the community with all the things he's learning. And then that eventually brings us to when he finally finds out what release really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's tough because, like, there's this discussion of there's a set of twins and the community always releases one of the twins because they don't need an extra person. You know, they factor in the number of births to, you know, get the exact population they want. And so it's perfectly normal that they're going to release one of the set of twins, uh, every twins. Well, also, they, I mean, based on how they talked about it, to me, I was getting that it was only for identical twins because they can't have two of the same person. Like, that's too confusing. I mean, at least in the example they, or the in this, it was yeah, two they identical, identical twins. And, and Jonas is even like, well, yeah, because then people would get confused because there'd be <laughs> two of the same person. Like, it totally makes sense. <laughs> so, but then, of course... Yeah, I just, I mean, even reading that, like, the scene, that was really, like, disturbing. Not as disturbing as some of the other violent things we've read, because, you know, since we've read all these disturbing things have become desensitized. But it was quite (laughs) disturbing to have them literally kill a newborn baby. Yeah, but when we get to that actual chapter, it's pretty, like, it's a pretty freaky one to read. So, let's get there. So, Jonas, he is, like... I want to talk about release to the giver. And the giver's like, okay, we can talk about it. And then Jonas is like, I kind of want to see one. And the giver is like, "Mm, yeah, you can see anything you want. I'm not sure you're going to want to see it. But now I definitely think you should see it. So they watch a recording of the release. And Jonas sees his father euthanize a perfectly healthy baby and then put the corpse in a box and then like the, he literally describes the shoot as like the garbage shoot they have at schools 
this like literally was her, and then the dad's like bye bye like oh my god like talk about like literal psychopath like it just it was really like it's disturbing to read like it's super disturbing to read like i wonder if i guess like i think they talk like the giver talks about it with Jonas because he's like, how could he do something like that? Because it's not that they don't understand that it's like killing them. It's just that they think that it's right because he like says about how Fiona, his friend, like she's been assigned to work in the house of the old and obviously the old are constantly getting released. And the giver's like, well, yeah, she's probably already training on like the release techniques and she thinks of it as a great honor and like just a part of the process. Like it's not a bad thing. Oh yeah, there's there's no there's no um well it's I mean they literally don't call it any they call it release. They call it they make it sound like you are going to a better, more relaxed place. It's just literally insane. And they've got insane. everyone thinking the same thing. I mean but again, there's no there's not even like love. There's not that level of emotional human connection, period. So I think that that's, um, I mean, I'm not justifying the, you know, apathy of these people because I obviously don't agree with it. But I think that that's probably how it's sustainable, quote unquote, because they they literally aren't feeling deeply enough for it to to register as, like, death, per se. Yeah, I guess. But then we do finally find out that the failed receiver was named Rosemary, and she basically couldn't handle all the painful memories, so she asked to be released, and the giver says that, like, since that wasn't a part of her rules, once she, like, asked for it, they just gave it to her. Like, no one had to be notified. It's just, like, like anybody can do that at any point. They can ask to be released. And that's why they obviously changed the rules for Jonas that he cannot request to be released because when she was released, the community experienced all the memories she had gained. But something that's never answered in this book and I like don't really understand is like what memories did the community have to take on? Like what did she have that they remembered? Like were they able to, once they remembered, were they able to like remove it from people's memories again? or? people we they just have it all the time like I was just really curious as to like what that meant because also just the concept doesn't make any sense to me but before we get into that we also know that during Rosemary's release she actually took the injection and did it herself she wanted to do it herself stick the needle in her arm so she literally committed suicide which just yeah that's pretty Pretty sad and traumatizing. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly traumatizing for the giver. He's like, I've literally never forgotten it because I watched it. And I, yeah, it's it's horrible that she also didn't feel like she could, you know, take on more pain. And so, yes, to your question, we don't get answers. And that's one of the things that I think has made this book, again, I don't know how the third and fourth book in the set will shape up, but 
I expect that the reason that this book doesn't necessarily get read a lot for pleasure anymore is because it does not tie up loose ends. It doesn't even bother to explain things. Whereas, like, in a lot of the books that we've read, there's been, like, a very heavy focus on explaining them, explaining the way the world works. And in this one, it's like, the memories get released and people experience them. And we're like, okay, what does that mean? Does everyone get the memory? Does everyone get, like, a fraction of the memory? Do they only get the feeling of the memory? Like, do they all just feel immense sadness? Or do they all, like, actually visually remember war and then it has to get brainwiped again? Like, we don't get any of that really explained properly. And the whole point of Jonas being like, well, if we all shared the memories, it would be more easy to take, you know, like... So some people would remember war, some people would remember famine. Like, again, super unclear. It's I mean, not described. Yeah, how it is in That's the That's how it world. is in the real world, exactly. And is that what Jonas and the Giver are advocating for? Like, we just don't really know. And I think that's one of the reasons this book doesn't necessarily, like... It's not exactly, like, a satisfying read, personally, if you ask me. In my not-so-humble opinion... It's more just like it raises a lot of questions. I mean, also the it is it's just making me think of too like the idea of, you know, is it better to be like blissfully ignorant or like to know everything and have to deal with all of that? And basically their solution is, well, we'll put all the real stuff on one person and we'll make it this big honor and they have to deal with all of that so that the rest of us can live in our ignorant bliss. Like so Yeah, it's raising thematic questions. But, like, it's doing that while just, like, ignoring a lot of plot device questions. Yeah. And, like, for me as a Capricorn and a Type A and, an, you know, someone, like, someone who likes an explanation, it it is kind of, like, frustrating as I'm reading to not get all the answers. Yeah. So, we also find out that Rosemary was the giver's daughter, which also explains why it was extra hard for him to give her hard memories. And I, you know, I mean, it's hard for him to give Jonas hard memories. He's struggling with that, too. But he has gotten, you know, especially because he did learn from Rosemary. So he eases Jonas in sooner. And, you know, so, like, you know, Jonas also is not Jonas at this point. Like, he's been around the giver long enough that he loves him so much that he's like, I can't like, abandon him. I can't... I wouldn't even apply for a release anyway because the giver, like, he doesn't have the time left to to train someone else. And... And I just want to say that, like, I did figure out that the forbidden from release rule was because of the failed receiver. Like I said that last week. Now, again, that could have been my subconscious knowing it from when I read this book how many years ago? Whenever I was in sixth grade. But I don't think so. I think I just figured it out. I'm just a super sleuth. Good for you. And then we also... Wow, that was the least enthusiastic. Good for you. And then we also learned, which is, this points to like the whole blue eye thing. We learned that there is another girl with blue eyes who's at age six right now. And, well, because this is when they're talking about like, oh, if Jonas were to like be released or disappear, like what would the giver do? And, like, they say, well, there's one girl who's age six, but, like, she's too young. 
And so I just wanted to say that Charles was wrong about Jonas being super unique and like, because he made it seem like he was the only person with light eyes, him, Gabriel, and the giver, which I just kind of questioned, which it's not. Well, no one can be super unique. That's not possible. You can only be unique. Well. Precision of language. We don't live in precision of language. Boom. Roasted. Not roasted. Okay, Charles is wrong. Anyway, exactly what I, I was said. was wrong about Jonas being unique with the blue eyes. That's true. Exactly what I said in the last episode is I figured it was very rare, but it did imply that only blue-eyed slash light-eyed people can become receivers, but just not that every single person who has light eyes will be a receiver. Because also I was just saying, like, genetics like i just don't think that unless unless they were genetically manipulating so that only every so many years somebody with light eyes but i was like already like gabriel showed up and like obviously they're trying to kill him but they're trying to kill him because he's been slow with his development but yeah so i was right charles was wrong (laughs) okay i was right about the blue eye people being receivers well i had no i agreed with you on that i had just said that i just didn't think that they were the only blue people i was blue-eyed people because like i said only blue people (laughs) the only only smurfs (laughs) the only smurfs in the community well yes jonas is not unique in that and so you mentioned gabe so after a year of so this is how you know these people are don't have feelings after a year of nurturing Gabe in their home, they decide he's going to be released, and Jonas's dad is like, yeah, he needs to be released. He couldn't take it. So Jonas sets the plan in motion early, and he and Gabe escape on the bike. And before we get into that, let's just kind of explain what the plan was in the first place, because Jonas and the giver basically came up with a plan of how they were going to try to change the system, which basically it was so... The night before the, so like I said, years pass. It's the next ceremony for like all the kids turning the next year. And the night before, in the middle of the night, Jonas was going to ride away on his bike and leave the community. And so this way, by leaving then in the morning, he would leave a note for his parents saying that he went for like an early morning bike ride and that he'll like be there in time for the ceremony. But he obviously wouldn't be there, but with the ceremony and everything, it would just take a long time for anyone to realize he was gone, so he could be long gone because he's trying to go to what they refer to as elsewhere, which I don't know if that just means out into the woods or if he's going to another community, but he's just trying to get away because apparently if he goes to elsewhere, the memories he has will be put on the community. Like, they'll remember it, which again, this makes no sense. But that's the idea. That's the plan. But the night before, when they're, like, at dinner or whatever, like Charles just said, Jonas's parents are like, oh, they've decided that Gabriel has to be released, and it's going to be first thing in the morning. So Jonas is like, he can't wait. He has to take Gabriel right now because he does not want them. He knows what the release is, and he doesn't want them to kill Gabriel. So he just grabs Gabriel immediately and leaves. Yeah. And, again, we're setting aside the physics of, like, once you cross this imaginary border of elsewhere, memories are now released back into people, but they're also still in Jonas. We, we can't, no explanation. Yeah, that just made no no sense. sense. But, you know, apparently (laughs) that's how that works. And so they're on the run. Jonas and Gabriel are sharing memories, like, 
you know, they have this, like, trick of, like, I think memories of cold when the infrared scanners are coming so that they, like, cool down their bodies, which doesn't really make sense, again, physically, but whatever. Yeah. It's um, clever, I guess. <laughs> and then they show up on a literal sled, like, it's the first memory that Jonas ever received, and Jonas is like, I know this sled. This is my memory. And then they get on the sled, and it's, like, not the crash sled. It's the the fun sled with the snow. And they're, like, headed towards a little town that's celebrating Christmas. And that's it. That's where it finishes. Yeah. It was a pretty anticlimactic ending just because, like, again, no answers. And I have lots of questions. You know, obviously, what happens to Jonas and Gabriel? Did they find this other community like this is is this another community like is this community going to be normal like normal and what we know is like a normal civilized community is it going to be like the community they just came from or like some in between of that and then when Jonas is like riding down the hill on the sled he says that like he it feels like he remembers this place like he'd been there before like what did that mean does that mean that this community comes straight from one of the memories he received like I don't know. I just, there were so many questions at the end and I just, I hope that we're going to get something in the next books. Like, just crumbs. Anything. Even if we're focused on different characters. Like, throw me something. Like, you know, Jonas is in the background or Gabriel. Like, there's some stranger showed up and we just know what happened to them. Well, we definitely will get that. I don't know how much we're going to get. I know for a fact that they do show up in I believe book three and maybe book four. I don't know. The next book, Gathering Blue, if I remember correctly, they do not show up at all. We're in a completely different community. And if I remember correctly, again, I read I read Gathering Blue in seventh grade. So whole year later. But wow, still forever ago. I think that the society in Gathering Blue is much more what we would consider quote-unquote normal. But it's still within the universe. And I think that... I do think we'll get some more explanation of Jonas and Gabriel. But I'm just preparing for the worst that we're never going to get explained to satisfaction. What happened to them? What happened to the community? And I agree, it's a little disappointing. Well, also just, like, for this world, like, so there are different communities, like... But they don't fight? Like, there's no wars? Like, how... No explanation. We have no idea. Like, let's... Like, let's say they go to this new community and it's, like, normal and so they know, like, all the benefits of having these memories. Like, do they just not know that the community that Jonas was in exists? Because, like, wouldn't they think that's wrong and, like, want to do something about it? Well, also some of... And another thing is, like, the communities that Jonas, his community visits with, they must be very similar to Jonas's because, obviously... Yeah, because they also, yeah... They I, all go on, like, little exchange trips and stuff like that. So, obviously, those ones should be, like, he says, those are very similar. It's just, like, the schedule is slightly different. So, like, there's all these, like, almost, like, little villages, like. That's how also, I imagined it. Like, also, this like, new community, pods. they make it to at the end. It couldn't have been that far because he was only riding on a bike. And, like, even if you said they went for, like, a week or two on their own, like, you can't get he's that. He's 12. Yeah, he's 12. Well, he's 13. And he had a baby with him. Like, you can't get that far on a bike. No. Even if you bike all day. For 13 days, whatever, like tops, you know, 
Like, they weren't, and he's 13. He's not, like, he's not, like, a super athlete. Like, yeah, so we don't know. I hope we get some resolution. Like I said, I've never read books three and four, so maybe we will by the end. Also, because wherever he went, there's snow, so... They don't have weather climate control. Yeah, so No, but I'm thinking, like, as far as where this takes place in the world, like... Oh, I just figured where white people are. Well, yeah, but so, what, so like, is it North America? I think North America or the UK. I just so I maybe just he was that. going from like, like where, like where does it not slow and snow? Like it doesn't snow. And so I guess. Well, they have climate control in his community, so they could literally have been like in. It could have been snowing. They and could they have just, been snowing like and then a just bubble? turned it off. Okay. In yeah, I kept forgetting about that. Yeah, we okay, okay. never mind then. Forget Not a my lot thought. of explanation. <laughs> I it's just trying to pinpoint There's this on a map, and I'm like, remember. we have literally nothing about the community except that they're all white. <laughs> and there's no hills. <laughs> no hills, and they're all white. But he made it somewhere where there's hills, so. Yes. Okay, that could be literally anywhere because there are hills everywhere except in the desert. And sometimes there are hills in the desert too. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay, well, you know, I think that the best way. To get maybe some answers or fragments of answers is to move on. So I think if we, if you're okay, we should move on to the next book, Gathering Blue. Yes, so we're going to start reading the next book next week, Gathering Blue, and we'll be starting with chapters 1 through 12. And as we like to tell you always, if you have any predictions, theories, or questions about this series or any of the series we've read so far... If you're just frustrated about the lack of answers, let us know. You can just stay in touch with us on about really, really anything on the Nerd Party website. You just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact and you select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there. And you can also get in touch with the network at large on Twitter at Join Nerd Party, on Instagram at The Nerd Party, or Facebook.com slash The Nerd Party. And to find me directly, I'm at C.E. Sheeland on Twitter and at Seashells on Instagram. And I'm at AsiaBonia on Twitter and at Asia.Bonia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe. Have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.